Hey, Curly, why don't you take the cuffs off the kid? He's mighty handy with a gun. You drive them horses. I'll take care of the kids. You're talking too much, Gatewood. Don't switch those feet. Take it easy, Gatewood. We may need that fight before we get to the ferry. You wouldn't be much good enough to fight, you jailbird. Yeehaw. Welcome to all the best lines. <laughs> how to make me do a how, spit take in one go. How was, how was that for an introduction? That was fantastic. You were waiting till I was drinking, weren't you? And then you just started. I love it, because I, I said to Smokey a minute ago, yeah. um, whose turn is it to introduce this one? And he said, oh, I think it's me. And I was like, oh, damn it, I had a whole yee-haw thing worked out. He was like, well, actually, it's your turn. Oh, yes, that's true. So, I, I'm sorry, did I suddenly turn into Lionel Barrymore? But uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah. no, well, I, I, just, I just got suddenly confused, and then I was like, oh, actually, no, it is Adam's turn. No, yeah, it's my turn. Anyway, yee-haw. But as yee-haw. A, a yee-haw, yes, yee-haw. Happy, happy new yee-haw to you, my friend. Yee-haw. Yeah, happy new year. Mm. A happy new yeah, yeah, year. Uh, that works. Happy 2021. How was Christmas and New Year for you, Smokerdon? I was working all of it, so uh, yeah, work Christmas and all of New Year. But uh, it was fine. I got to see we, we had uh, we had Christmas Day on uh, on Christmas Eve this year. Uh, last year, I should say now. And so it was very nice, you know, uh, it, it being within the bubble uh, uh, with my mum. Got to spend it with her. And we had a lovely roast chicken. We decided on chicken this year instead of turkey. So it was very nice. And uh, I got some lovely presents and uh, and drank lots of beer. And uh, even had Prosecco. Look at me going up in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it Aldi Prosecco? Uh, do you know what I think it was? Three pounds a case. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was very nice and it went straight to my head. So that's all you want, isn't it? Uh, Talking of which, yeah. um, Aldi, you came to my house some time ago and... and Brought with you very kindly uh, some Aldi beer, uh-huh. and they have been maturing mm. away in the shed yep. outside, a- awaiting think, uh, my return. <laughs> they've stopped uh, when you rattle them now. They don't. Uh, you can't hear liquid anymore. You just hear this like, if you imagine congealed gravy mm. just thumping around inside, like, the like quicksand. Yes, it's like a can of sand. It's 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 become a, a non-Newtonian fluid <laughs> over the years. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, mate, I'd still drink it. <laughs> You'll get the opportunity one day. I, I will. I will. Yeah. And how about you, my friend? How was your Christmas and New Year? It was very nice. Thank you very much. Obviously, yes. we were locked down, um, but it's kind of nice in that you know you don't feel the pressure of uh, uh, you know hosting people or, or going to see people. It was actually like you wake up and we're kind of like, oh, shall we watch a movie? Okay, let's do that. I had lots of work to do. I'm still writing um, secret history episodes, so mm. I haven't really had day off. But uh, that's coming along amazingly. I'm very, very happy with it. So, yeah. And we had lovely food and, uh, yeah, a great new year. Excellent. So, yeah, just very pleasant. It's just a very odd one, isn't it? I think most people are going to do what we're planning to do, which is have Christmas and New Year in about March or April when we're all vaccinated and we can all uh, associate with people again. So it's very odd how pe- how um, sort of possessive people got about the whole Christmas Day thing this year. They were saying, yeah. oh, Christmas is your... Christmas is ruined. It's like, well, it's not really. I mean, if you know, you postpone it. I mean, you're not doing it. I mean, I would say lots of people are doing it, obviously, but I would say probably about 60, 70% of people don't celebrate Christmas because they're Christians and they don't do it to celebrate Christ's selfless act on that day, supposedly. But um, they do it so they can see their families and give people gifts and you can kind of do that anytime. 
Yeah, and have a big yeah. dinner together, which is yeah. all things you can do in March and April when you're all vaccinated. So don't worry, you've got Christmas to come. This is very that true. Is. It's like it's like a Noddy Holder, isn't it? He celebrates Christmas in June because that's when his royalties come through for Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> that's which very wise. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, um, we haven't we uh, haven't recorded for a while, actually, have we? No, and, and so no. not not in December. And I have to say, mm. um, this December, I did sort of make an extra effort, especially patron side, mm. to sort of inject a bit more festive cheer into people's listening and film club and things. And that all went mm. down really well. I was really happy with that. You know, like Rob, did. our friend Rob, gave us lots of nice Aww. Christmas music, and we did I Christmas movies. And yeah, he's so nice. He's um, beautiful. He's a lovely, lovely man. We love yeah. Rob. Yeah. Hello, Rob. Hello, um, So, yeah, Bobby. I did actually get into the Christmas spirit of things, but when it comes to Christmas Day, I don't think it's ruined. I think people, you know, should just say, we're going to have two, which is great. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I agree. Cheers, my friend. You're very good mm. health. Mm. Mm. Yours too. Um, but let me, let me, let me ask, did, um, did you get any, you know, surprise, possibly Christmas presents uh, through the mail at all? Uh, nope. No, I had one hateful present. Oh, oh, really? Oh, well, that's not very nice of that random person. What was, what, what was that then? And tell us the story behind why you received such a present. I'm not the greatest fan of Kevin Smith, the filmmaker. <laughs> I am. Um, yes, Smokey is. I'm, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't actively hate the guy, but I've just Ooh. never enjoyed a Kevin Smith film. Smokey okay. is recording as we speak. I'm looking at him. <laughs> He has a poster on his wall. He's had it there every every time we have a Zoom call, every time we have a, a Jackbox TV party night, anything. It's always there yeah. in the background. It's Kevin Smith's Red State, the poster. And I've often commented on, why doesn't he change it to something <laughs> else? For something good. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a very kind present. I received a DVD this year. No, you did um, not. Uh, did I not? I sent you a Blu-ray, my friend. Did you? Okay. It's a disc, film disc, anyway. It's very quaint. It's very quaint to get a film disc. Thank you very much. It's a, I, I saw a Blu-ray. Cool. Well, you'll have to you'll have to tell me if it is a DVD because they've sent the wrong one. If it is, oh, I'm, oh I don't know. It probably is a because it's still in the envelope. No, it's not in the envelope. I did I did take it out and um, uh, shocked the children with my language. <laughs> That bleep 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 motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yes, I, yeah, should, I should tell I, I should tell our listeners that I did wake up to a, a two word text from you just saying you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously the thought was there. Thank you very much. But I, I can I can I can actually tell you I have put it on the watch pile. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I meant the wash pile. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's for his new ever expanding uh, collection of coasters. It's joined where it belongs. Where it belongs. No, thank you. I, uh, look, I think it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it out there, uh, listeners, give it a. Uh, it's not uh, old Hollywood or classic Hollywood. It's not even a classic film. I just really enjoy it. But yeah, check out Red State. It's awesome. <laughs> but no, I just thought right, I'm going to put Mr. Roach in his place, and uh, after all the mocking he's given me for for my wonderful massive Red State poster on my wall, is that uh, it, it's going. Uh, he's going to. Uh, eventually own a copy and uh, there we go so happy christmas <laughs> thank you merry christmas to you yes it's happy christmas we're in england don't forget that um <laughs> yes but anyway enough of this uh, lovely nonsense uh, what are we uh, talking about today my friend well you asked for a western so i, I gave you one of the best ever made 1939's 
Stagecoach, directed by John Ford, yeah. starring Claire Trevor, John Wayne, Thomas Mitchell. Uh, who else is in it? I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad George you specified Bancroft. I'm glad you specified that it was Stagecoach because I was just about to say, "Hang on, you didn't give me High Noon." Ooh, do you like High Noon? <laughs> I do. I very much like High Noon. Yes. Mm. But well, had you seen Stagecoach before this? I had not. No, no. Um, mm. So after we recorded last time with uh, with our good uh, mate uh, the. The Irish one. We, uh, uh, you obviously <laughs> mentioned we were going to talk about stagecoach, and so I, I actually watched it pretty much straight away, and then I rewatched mm-hmm. it again last night. Yeah, I'm obviously not going to spoil my rating, but uh, good movie. It's a good movie, isn't it? What I like, mm-hmm. about, uh, I said this to you before. I, what I liked about it is, um, it's not, it's not just uh, there's cowboys, there's Indians. Let's have them fighting for you know, God knows how long. Mm. Uh, it's an actual. You know, it really does draw its characters well. We'll get into it anyway, but I just think it's as a character piece. I think it's very, it's quite a remarkable film. It could work, it could work anywhere, not even in the old west. Could be set on a train in the fifties. You know, it's all about you know just the group of people who get to know each other on this journey yeah. that's imperiled. I haven't used that word for ages. I love it. Imperiled. <laughs> imperiled. It's like the word infernal. You don't get to use that real. Yeah, peril. It sounds like a, a dish detergent, doesn't it, or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, before before we go on, I just want to t- test the, the lay of the land and say um, how much of a, a fan, or if you are indeed a fan, of John Wayne you are. Because I don't think I've ever heard you mention him on the show, or if you have, I don't remember it. Um, I think uh, politics aside, I'm not like keen on some of the things he said about people or his viewpoints when it comes to when it comes to certain aspects of society. But um, you mean, you mean the fact I, that he was a giant racist? Mm, yeah, it's not <laughs> not great. <laughs> I mean, obviously, when you're a kid, you don't watch John Wayne films with that no. hat on, do you? Of course, you not. watch no, him no. with you know, oh, he's the big strong hero guy, and 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 mm. you can't really take that away from him he was he was well, a very good he was a very good hero in movies yes um, yes and I, I i quite enjoy him i don't actively seek his movies out i really fancy no. a john wayne film let's no. be honest he's not massively my cup of tea but i do i do i do respect his place in hollywood and in the Fair in, in film history definitely i was just i was just curious because i mean well i i, I think i've seen uh, not a massive amount maybe half a dozen maybe a few more of his films over the years and mm-hmm. uh i do find he, he can be very one note um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah. I, but I will be perfectly honest and say that I think this is possibly my favourite performance of his uh, in Stagecoach. Yeah. I thought he, he I thought mine he too actually. Yeah, incredibly well. Mm. And it was also I know it's become a sort of a sort of cliche for people who are doing John Wayne impressions. You know, the gate, the swagger, the uh, round them up, pilgrim, that kind of thing. But he did mm-hmm. kind of become that. It, you know, there's, there's a reason cliches are cl- cliches. But in this, he was he was natural. Uh, he was charismatic, and and so I was watching this and just sort of going, do you know what? This is this is good. I this, I like this John Wayne. But it's like more when you get into the sorry, mate. I'll just say, but more yeah, when you get into his sort of um, um, no, sorry, into his American all action war hero in later movies, it was just sort of like, eh. you know, it was like I could take him or leave him at that point. Mm. Yeah, he's kind of pre caricature in this, isn't he? Yeah, very much. Like. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of parts sort of were written for him based on the public perception of him, you know, after this. It was kind of like, oh, we have to put this kind of thing in. We have to have a bit where he kicks a saloon door open. We have to have yeah. this, you know. And it, and it, like every single film, even the modern stuff where he played detectives and, you know, Frisco and stuff, you know. Yeah, um, sure. e- Even that had an element of Western 
sort of mythology to it. But I think mm-hmm. this, where he's very young and he's very new to the screen, I think I'm right in saying this was his first film. No, not his first one, but his big first big film anyway. Yeah. And he wasn't even like top build or anything. No, but he does stand out definitely. He's he's quite he's quite he's, yeah he's just a really nice leading man in this. He's just a really yeah. nice sort of young, fresh faced sort of you know likable leading man. Yeah, and and also I mean it, it is kind of testament to his his look and his I, I hate the term star power, but it is there and uh, that he doesn't appear till twenty five minutes into the film mm, and yeah. uh, and then, and then uh, not I wouldn't say carries it because it is an ensemble piece. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, but it is it is testament to him that he does come in and and again not steal the show, but he does become the focal point. I mean, let me get this out straight away: is that it's not a perfect film because there are a couple of problems I have with it, but it's it's not far off. It's it's pretty damn good. Mm, yeah, I think you know as westerns go, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of westerns. I'll be honest with you, but I like them when they tell stories that don't have to be westerns. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. like Unforgiven. Oh yeah, you know now that's a great talking. movie, but I mean that could that's a, another another thing that could be set in any time if you take it back to its strip it back to its bare essentials. You know, it's a revenge story. You know, and this yeah. this guy comes out of retirement and he helps these people to get revenge. It's like you know, it's like Magnificent Seven that works yeah. as Seven Samurai. So you know, Star Wars. I think there are some exactly. <laughs> so um, I think Stagecoach is one of these stories. I think it's. Uh, it's set in the Old West, and it works in the Old West, but I don't think it has to be in the Old West. Obviously, no. the, you know, the Indians thing, but it could be set in space, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, S- uh, same, with, think... same with Butch and Sundance. It could be, it, you, you could level that at it as well. Mm. You know, so it, those it, are the kind of Westerns I prefer when, you know, they don't have to be, you know, they're not tied to the deserts, basically. No, um, yeah. no, no, I, I agree. I mean, <laughs> do, do you remember that movie... Um, uh, oh, uh, what was it called? Uh, Midnight Run with De Niro and um, Charles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles, Charles, Charles Grodin. Grodin. Yeah, I, I always thought that would have been a perfect western. You know, yeah, these two, these two being shackled together in the old way. I always thought that would have been perfect. It just suddenly reminded me of that because um, obviously, I mean, you do get the brief moment where. John Wayne is shackled to another character and it is just sort of like they could go on the run together and have you know madcap hijinks and it was just mm-hmm. sort of yeah it just always just kind of hit me like that 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 would make a good western but there you go are we are we doing a, a plot run through or are we just going to go through well bits I don't pieces? think we needed to do a plot run through on this one I think basically if you set it up as saying that it's about a stagecoach that's going from point A to point B yeah, that's basically the the main setup. And as it goes along, we learn more about the people inside the stagecoach and who they are. And you watch these personalities ping off each other. And then at the end, they all have to band together, whether they like it or not, to defend themselves from uh, marauding uh, Indians. Yeah, that's kind of all the story you need. You don't really need to go into too much... You know about where they stopped and how you know so but, that's true but you know i mean it's worth running down the characters quickly you have yeah. dallas who's uh you know ostensibly the leader of this film she's played by claire trevor and mm. she is a prostitute who's been run out of town by the conservatives she's brilliant she's great in this she's yeah. absolutely fabulous then you have you have thomas mitchell mm-hmm. won an oscar for this not surprising he yeah, plays a, a doctor who has also been run out of town with Dallas mm-hmm. for being uh, a drunkard, basically. Yeah. It's hinted at that uh, the drunk, the, you know, the alcoholism stems from some mistake he's made mm. uh, on the operating table. Um, but he also has to, you know, flee the town. So it's him and Dallas. And then you have this ultra upper class 
Miss Mallory, who oh, is yeah. very heavily pregnant, and she's on the way to meet her husband at the fort at the end of the journey. Mm-hmm. Then you have Hatfield the Gambler, and mm-hmm. he is um, he is desperate. He's like a social climber, isn't he? You know, he sees oh, Miss yeah. Mallory, mm, and he's sort of, you know, I'll defend you, madam. I will be your chaperone, madam. I will make sure everything's fine for you, madam. When in reality, he's actually a gambler, so he's really sort of reaching for this social position. Um, yeah, and but there's al- there's also some question marks around him, isn't there? Because yeah, obviously, he's definitely but, done something in the past, hasn't he? Yeah, because he's rather secretive, even though apparently... Um, he knew Mrs. Mallory's uh, uh, husband and, uh, sorry, her father. And uh, and then also he's come into some s- stolen shit and you're not quite sure how he's ended up with it. And then, then, he, o- he almost shoots her in the head. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll get to that, but gee, yeah. he's a very complicated character. You hate him, but you're kind of intrigued by him and he's very watchable. Yeah, although it's got to be said, you know, his name's Hatfield. Mm. And he's got the whitest hat in the entire world. It's like a field. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying it's a little on the nose, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we just pre- briefly go back to Thomas Mitchell? I didn't realize he'd won an Oscar for this, but it is richly yeah, yeah. deserved because yeah, he, he does. I, I I I'll be perfectly I'll be perfectly honest, right? I really misread the character on first viewing. I thought he was a a coward and just really really annoying. You only had one thing on his mind, which was just to get booze. And then the second mm-hmm. on the second viewing, I I definitely warmed to him a lot more. And and as you say, when you realize that. He He's gone through some personal and it's just sort of like, okay, there's a reason why he is in this state. And to be perfectly honest, when he is called on to to do his job, he actually does do it. Mm. What I love about him uh, so much, though, is that he is a man with, you know, a truckload of demons. He joins this stagecoach and he doesn't try and hide who he is at all. No, Um, no. And one (laughs) one of the main plot lines running through this film, which is really interesting is this story of class. You have yeah. Dallas and the Doctor on one side of the stagecoach, and they mm-hmm. represent the lower classes, the filth of society. She's a prostitute, he's a drunk, you know, and then yeah. they sit there and they're scowled at through the entire journey. Then you have Hatfield yeah. and uh, Miss Mallory sat on the other, and they're just, you know, their noses are raised all the way through this thing. And it's very much yeah. about how do you reconcile, you know, there's only three feet between them, yet you have a world between them. Yeah. You know, and then into the stagecoach, 25 minutes in, as you say, comes John Wayne, who's an escaped, I want to say convict. He's on the run, isn't he? Yeah. Because he, his brother, his family were killed by this trio of band, uh, of, you know, outlaws. And they're hiding at the place that the stagecoach is heading for. And he's going to kill them, basically. He's on his way to kill them. And the law know that. So they want him. They want to yeah. put him away so that he won't kill these guys. And, you know, the great characters who, who ride the stagecoach, Andy Devine plays Buck, and he's the stagecoach driver. And you have George Bancroft, legend in Hollywood. He plays yeah. the Marshal Curly. And they're sort stagecoach. of, you know, we don't, we don't want you to do this thing, so we, we're going to, you know, take your gun and we're going to bring you with us. And he sat, he sits on the floor of the stagecoach because he's even lower than the lower yeah. class. You know, he's, he's like... Um, this sort of maggot of society, this this one who doesn't belong anywhere, you know. Yes, and then, yes, uh, he's he's the Smokey of the stagecoach. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said it. <laughs> we we I'm were joking. all thinking it. <laughs> you you'd be driving the stagecoach. You 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 uh. uh you yeah, all right, right. Can I? Uh, but I'll just say you were saying about. Um, 
uh, sorry, I was saying about uh, Thomas Mitchell and how how uh, my yes, opinion sorry. of my no 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 it's fine no but I was just gonna say how my opinion sort of changed of him uh, between the two viewings. One opinion, and it's it's testament to how good the, the acting is. But the one opinion that doesn't change is that Buck uh, is one of the most annoying characters ever. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. that he's voice. Like, he's kind, yeah, you recognise him from all the Disney cartoons in the sixties and seventies, right? Andy um, Devine. You, 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 you're, you're you're asking the wrong man. Okay. Well, any, yeah, my point, sorry, but I strayed wildly from, is that um, he does step up. Um, you know, he, he is, he, he's like one of the lower class guys. He steps up and he saves a life in it, doesn't he? And he also he, delivers a life, you know, when it matters. He, does. he doesn't go back to being this angel of society, does he? He sort no. of, you know, first thing he does is has a drink and sort of like says, you know, I am what I am. But, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not all, all the way that you thought <laughs> <laughs> no, this is true. But uh, no, let, let's just mention that, uh, Andy Devine there because it, it's obviously, I don't know if you remember the scene, but there's a scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when Bob Hoskins gets his cartoon gun and obviously his uh, the bullets all have voices because they're cartoons as well. And mm-hmm. the main the main bullet speaks in Andy Devine's voice from this mm. film. Yeah, yeah. And so so obviously for me, being me, that was my frame of reference. So when I heard Andy Devine, I was like, oh, I know what they were doing in Who Framed Roger Rabbit as well. But, <laughs> then, but, then, but, but you've got to bear in mind that scene lasts about a minute in that film. In this, he's, he's omnipresent through the film. And so I was just sort of like, all right, all right, I've heard enough of this voice now. I don't need to hear anymore. Mm. Oh, come on. Yeah. It's like a cheese grater on your ears after a while. Um, he's not got the sexiest voice in the world. I, I, didn't really, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the film lingers on him. Oh, that much. Imagine, but then uh, imagine him doing phone sex. Well, yeah, that would be quite something. Imagine him and Una O'Connor doing phone sex. Oh no! <laughs> Don't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't God, be that wouldn't be divine at all, would it? So anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear God! I've never thrown up on a podcast before, but that was close. Oh, my word! Yeah. Um, who else we've got? Uh, we've got the bank manager. What was his name? Um, oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about him. Um, oh, oh, Burton Churchill. Gatewood. Yeah. 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 He's uh, yeah. He's another one. He's sat on the upper class side, isn't he? With mm. the, you know, with the better people, and yet he's yeah. got a case full of stolen money that he's embezzled from the bank. You know, it's, it, it, yeah. one by one, all these little defenses come away in the film. Do you know, I just think it's beautifully done because you you find out he's awful. You find out Hatfield isn't as innocent as he's making out, and you find out Miss Mallory does actually have a heart, even though she's you know this ice queen to begin with. You find you know, and, and who is it that comes to the rescue when? You know, her baby's, you know, halfway through, spoiler alert, her baby arrives and suddenly something must be done. The only person that can help is Doc Boone, Thomas Mitchell, and he's absolutely off his skull. So he, you know, and he's shamed (laughs) into sobering up and they, they walk him around the room and they're giving him black coffee and finally... After hours and hours and hours, he's sober. And during this time, it's Dallas that's been in there with yeah. Miss Mallory helping her, you know, mopping her brow. And she's been passed over, you know, that scene where um, Hatfield pulls out the silver cup and yes. he offers, a, you, know, some, you know, some water to Miss Mallory. And, yeah, and right. everyone thinks, oh, great, we're going to get a drink of water as well. And it's literally passed over their faces so yeah. that they can't touch the cup because they're not good enough to touch the cup. And yet, yeah. you know, Dallas is the one in there ringing, you know, working to the bone and staying awake all night to keep this woman cool during this fever that she's got when the baby comes. 
I mean, it's it, just, it, it's, it is a literal case of not judging a book by its cover, isn't it? So they all they all treat Dallas spectacularly badly, apart from uh, Ringo. I don't know yeah. about John Paul or George, but um, <laughs> yeah, and so the, the, he, he always treats her with a lot of respect. Sorry, I've been sitting on that joke. And um, I know, but a boom, yeah. boom, boom. <laughs> I know uh, it had to be done. It had to be done. And, and uh, yeah, but no, everyone else treats her like. And then, uh, but no, she. I mean, she's got the biggest heart out of everyone there. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you really have uh, two choices here. So, uh, who's your gush of the week, my friend? Gush of the week. Well, I do. I, I think all the ladies in this film are particularly fetching. They are, but you have to pick one. They are. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll go with Claire Trevor. She's um, she's you know a long time crush. <laughs> fair news. Fair news. I, I'm I, I'm gonna have to go with Louise Platt. I'm afraid there's something there's something oh. there. Yeah, she's she's definitely got that haughty haughty vibe. That's um sometimes very I know, effective. but that's that's kind of it because you know you know these posh birds they like to slum it every now and a while, and uh, if I if I'm the maggot on the floor, then I've got the best chance, haven't I? <laughs> that's very mm. true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is actually um, I was going to say actually um, like I did a series about Val Luton, and one of one of his less lesser seen movies is uh, Mademoiselle Fifi, and uh, it's it's with Simone Simon and. Basically, the first half of the film is a is a, is a carriage ride where they go from one city to another, and and it, you know you find out that people aren't in the carriage aren't as aren't as lovely as they were, or are more lovely than you think at the beginning. Yeah, and it's um that's based on a short story by Guy de Maupassant called uh, Boule de Suif. The, the Suif, I think I can't pronounce it properly. <laughs> but um, but this this film is actually based on that short story as well, in part. So um, I, I think it's interesting that you know you you could have this story set in the old west, and then Luton took it and turned it into you know this French Revolution story as well. So it's a bit of a timeless story. Something else uh, maybe maybe think of you the other day when I was looking when I was looking through the film and oh yes that was it it was because I do I'm, you'll have to tell me in what context it was but um, Burton Churchill I was looking through his filmography because I, I thought I recognised him and I have seen him in in a, in a film we watched at a film club uh, which was uh, What Price Beauty but he was didn't you discuss a film on one of your shows about uh, I'm a fugitive from a chain gang yeah yeah because he was in that apparently as well. Oh right, yeah. Well, he's um he's he's very familiar face during um thirties especially, yeah. But also the forties. Well, was he in the forties? Yeah, I think just about. Yeah, in the for- no, nineteen forty, I think it was his last. Yeah, he died in nineteen forty. Christ, mm. there you go. But um, he's one of those faces that you see, and like Thomas Mitchell as well, Eugene Pellet, mm. that kind of like big brawny, growling, authoritative figure, Edward yeah. Arnold kind of thing. Love, love those faces. Well, I mean, because I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say this now because otherwise, you know, it'll just fester in my head. But um, <laughs> I think is that. that is that obviously it's it's inescapable in that some things in here have been used in Blazing Saddles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, and and he is one of them. That. The, I don't know if you remember the D- David Huddleston. Do you know that actor? He he's in Blazing Saddles. He plays one of the Johnson people from the town, and he is he he is the the same character. You know, he's got the same hat, he's got the same front, and it's and it, and I as, when I was watching this, it was just like Mel Brooks has taken that character from this film. Mm. It really it really me. is it really is identical. It's it's brilliant. I don't I don't actually remember um, Blazing Saddles. I think I watched it once when I was about twelve, which oh, was really? you know that. This was about eighty years ago. So. It was about, it was about twelve. Remember. It was about twelve years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> twelve leap years ago. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, we mustn't forget is uh, uh, well, who they, who they think is a is a, a reverend who isn't is Mr. Peacock. Oh, Donald Meek. Yeah. Yep. 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 No one can remember his name throughout the entire film. Because <laughs> of a kind of running a running gag, Mr. P Hen, Mr. P Pod, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he's yeah. great as well. He's he's another face, isn't he? I mean, you've seen yeah. him countless times now in Film Club. I have. Uh, yes. No, I did recognise him. Yeah. Especially from Capra films, I love Donald Meek. You know, he's never he's not the greatest actor in the world, but he just every time he pops up, he goes, "Hey, Donald Meek, yay! What are you going to do this time?" And then in this film, he gets yeah. a great, a, more of a sort of you know a, a lasting role throughout the entire thing. Mm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, but he's just got a really sort of expressive face and the way he delivers mm. his lines in in quite a timid way, but also a kind of kind of forceful as well when he needs to be. Well, uh, um, his story is that he's an alcohol salesman, isn't he? And he's got a case full right. of samples. And unfortunately, he sat next to bloody Doc Boone on the on the, on yeah. the coach. So Doc that's Boone right. basically says, I'll hold that for you. And he's like, well, no, 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 thank you. I can hold it. Myself. No, no, I'll hold it for you. Like, yeah. And basically drinks the whole thing on this... Um, on the journey but yeah. don't you feel as well like when when you're watching this like the parts where he's trying to take his case back and Doc Boone sort of like wraps his arms around and goes no get off sort of thing you yeah. just feel like oh poor little Donald Meek give him his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, but it, there was a, there was quite a sweet moment though when uh, Doc Boone uh, he starts cleaning his face it's sort of like it's all right. I'll look after you. So if, if the if the if the sand is whipping in through the the carriage door, then I'll just wipe your face for you. I know it's the sort of thing you do when you're really drunk. You just get your hanky yeah. out, it's like wiping someone's face. What are you doing? He used I'm his cl- scarf. God, Jesus starts wiping his face. Yeah, it's a lovely touch. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you've got to, you've got to admit though, it's a little odd. It happens a few times. Obviously, as I say, with the running gag of of, of Mr. Peacock, and then also a bit mm. later with the um, when they when they uh, meet up with their friend, was it Chris, who's the the Mexican, uh, which is a fantastic yeah. uh, Mex- Mexican name. <laughs> and uh, and but it, so it, the the tone shifts. You suddenly get these moments of comedy in what is quite, mm. uh, as you say, a sort of class sociological drama and and yet suddenly you get these bits of, of humor thrown in there and i found it quite jarring at first and then when mm. i was sort of like it's like no no but this is what you would do you mm. know you you it's what it's like to be human peril, you would have a, a, a moment of a laugh or two yeah 100 percent. It, that that's what it, it's like to be human isn't it you know you do get moments of levity yeah among among all these awful you know threats and stuff so yeah I, I do like it when a film does that. I mean, the film yeah. that we're watching on Sunday, have you seen The Apartment? I have. I mean, that, for me, is one of those films. It's very dark and very human, mm. very emotional, and then all of a sudden it's like, bust your sides laughable. You know, it's, it's just... <laughs> yeah, And that's for me, is what makes it more human. But yeah, I'm glad you liked yeah. Stagecoach, anyway. I did, yes. mate, I did. I mean, I, I, a bit like you, I, I'm not a massive Western fan, but that is literally only because I haven't watched very many. Um, I, I was open to, to seeing more, and I, I will be open to seeing more still. But, I mean, like all the, the big hitters, or I mentioned, you know, I mentioned High Noon, and then you mentioned uh, Magnificent Seven and whatnot. Seen all of those, but th- so this is 
a new a new start, I suppose, in 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 watching westerns, and I'm more than happy to uh, to try some more because I I really did enjoy this. I mean, as I said, a couple of problems. Go for it. What were your problems? Okay, the score is far too loud. Okay, there, there's a scene that is about five minutes long, and it is literally just the coach going along. The wind is whipping at their faces. They're all trying to sleep, even though they're cold. And the strings section of the score it goes mental. It was you know it was more ear infectiony than the strings from psycho it was just it was like oh come on right i I get what you're doing but just tone it down a bit will you and so and 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 unfortunately it just happened too much i mean like when they get when they get to the town when they're trying to find uh, mrs mallory's uh, husband and the whole place has been razed to the ground and it was uh, literally five seconds before that had happened the music was jingly it was jangly it was happy and then suddenly it was dun 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 and it was like oh Come on, you know, <laughs> leave a little bit to my imagination, you know. It was I didn't need spoon feeding that something bad was happened here because the place is f-ing on fire. So mm. you know, I didn't really need that. It just kind of bugged me a little bit. So uh, this film won two Oscars, one for best supporting actor for Thomas Mitchell. What do you think the other one was for? You're going to say the score, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it won best music score. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's fine. There you go, you're anti-academy. You'll always go against the grain, won't you? You'll always say that something something terrible is good and something good is terrible. It's like Red State. I I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Uno. uno. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, the universally adored Uno O'Connor. Universally. Oh, I thought we'd run out of Uno puns, but apparently not. Um, Yay, that's making a comeback. No, it, uh, yeah, look, I did not know that about that at all. Um, that's that's your job to inform me. But um, it was, and I've got nothing against scores in general. You know, when they're used well, they're fantastic. They add so much ambiance and, and whatnot to to a film. And but it was just, it was just too much. It was just too much in this one. It's too Fair loud, enough. mate. Too loud. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it's worth noting for people that are thinking, well, I don't know if I want to see a character study on on a stagecoach kind of film. It's worth saying that of the film's 96-minute running time, that is probably only about an hour. And then you get like a more traditional, I would say, Western climax at the end. You get two, don't you, really? Which is quite good value. You get one that's a stagecoach, and then the group disband, shall Uh we say. And then you get a real... Like, it's really setting it up to be a gut-punch, emotional sort of, you know, carpet out from under your feet kind of ending. Yeah. When uh, Ringo you know, goes off to confront the Plummer brothers. Yeah. And you get Dallas dropped off at the brothel and she's waiting for him to maybe or maybe not return. And you wonder if Curly's going to, you know, arrest him before he goes off. It's yeah. a really well handled final 10, 15 minutes, I would say. It, it is. What do you think? I, I, I did like it. And you're right. It is incredibly well set up and it's incredibly well handled. And the way it's shot is brilliant. However... There is a however there. And I've got no problem with the ending. It's it's not a problem. You know, I, I liked it. But do you not think this screams a little, just a little, of test audience? Because to me, it just felt that Ringo should have died. And do you think the, so? The ranch should have gone to Dallas like he promised. She, mm. uh, Cur- Curly would have just said, okay, Dallas, off you go. Find a new life. Be happy. Ringo's given you his ranch. It was his last wish before he got killed by three people. And off you go, you know, into the sunset by yourself. Little downbeat, but she is onto a new horizon from this man she fell in love with for 24 hours. Off you go. But they don't, 
they have obviously they, because he's John Wayne as well. They have Ringo survive. He kills all three people and rides off and literally rides off into the sunset with Dallas. Do you see where I'm coming from? I do. And to be honest, that would have been a very good ending. I agree with you. But um, I, as far as I know, this was the original ending. I, I'm not. I don't know yeah, if they changed it for some reason. But I I do agree with you actually. Saying that, I think it would have been a very poignant uh, climax to the film. But, yeah, um, as you say, that everyone had misunderstood Ringo, everyone had misunderstood Dallas. They realised that they had fallen in love in such a brief moment of time. You know, they were going to get married. Uh, literally, they'd known each other a day, and he asked her to marry him. You know, he's either insane or just a hopeless romantic. So, or, or both. <laughs> or in an old film. <laughs> well, or in an old film. Yes, okay, fair Yeah, usually and, they wait um, about an hour. Which is they do, they do. <laughs> but, uh, well, passage of time, you know. But, um... <laughs> But yeah, and then um, they they would they would see that Dallas is turning over a new leaf. She has this ranch to go to. That's all going to be hers because Ringo has given it to her. And there you go. But the ending to this does work in the in the fact that they do get to live happily ever after. So we believe. But do you not think though that after all this build up of learning how Ringo's family were killed by the pl- by the plumbers, he's been in and out of prison since he was seventeen, and it's been talked about a lot through the film about why Ringo is the way he is, what he needs to do and what he wants to do. And, you know, prison be damned, he's going to go and kill the Plummer brothers. And then they don't show it. You see him get off a shot by sort of diving onto the ground. And that's that's it. Uh, Yeah. What's the question? (laughs) (laughs) I I want to see a shootout. Right, okay. Uh, Yeah, you mean you think it might have been a bit of a cop-out then? Well... I, I mean, but it was just there was just so much build up to it. Mm. You know, she'd been begging him to just run away to escape. Even Curly was just sort of saying, "Look, you don't need to kill these guys. Just do the bit more of your time for desertion. Well, escaping from a from a prison. It's only an extra mm. year. You don't need to kill these guys. Do that and go be happy with Dallas." And he and all the way through the film, he's just going, "No, no, look, look. This is something I need to do. If I have a punishment, I will face it. If I don't get to spend my life with her, all right, I can deal with that too. I'm a big boy." So he goes. He finds the three people he wants to kill, and he kills them, and it happens off screen. Mm, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, I, I don't know. A little bit. No, I kind of, I kind of, um, I kind of like the way it was done. To be honest, I mean, you see her sort of waiting at the gatepost, and she's, you know, waiting in the darks, and you just hear these shots, and you don't know what's happened. And then all of a sudden, you see that hear the shuffling in the darkness, and yeah. and out he walks, and he's done it basically. As I say, I, I know it sounds like I, I, I didn't like the way it was. I, I liked it fine. I just thought it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a, well, for want of a better term, it was a bit of a tease, wasn't it? It was just sort of like, <laughs> let's, let's, let's dangle this thing in front of you and then whip it away before you could even get a chance to, you know, do whatever you need to do. And it was mm. just, yeah, I, I don't know. There was just, I, I, I liked the ending the way it was, but I just thought, why the hell not just show us a shoot? I mean, you mentioned Unforgiven earlier. I mean, mm. it's like when... Eastwood and Gene Hackman finally square off right at the very end. It's like that they cut to outside the saloon and you hear the gunshots and Clint Eastwood suddenly walks out. It would be like, oh, come on. <laughs> I want to see him blow Gene Hackman away. <laughs> That's a whole different movie. <laughs> <laughs> but blowing Gene Hackman away. <laughs> do you, I mean, do, do you not agree? Do you know? Am I on my own? Mm, no. I don't know. 
I, I, I think it's a moot point. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's good podcasting. Well done. Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I, don't I, like, I like the ending the way it is. I can see the merit in what you're saying, but um, mm-hmm. I mean, I have no problems with the ending. I have no problems with the music, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, drive that one in, you b- <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, we should also mention that, the, the, uh, as, as you said, the sort of the more traditional Western uh, part of it, which is the sort of the, the Native Americans uh, going after the, the, the stagecoach, led by Geronimo. I mean, that was great. I mean, that's just pure right. action. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Although, although, did you notice they reused a couple of bits a couple of times? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit of stock footage in there, I think. Yeah. 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 It's a yeah, it's a good a ending, uh, and I like I like the fact that not everyone makes it out there alive either. It's kind of good. Well, Hatfield doesn't, but but then as as we say, he was a <laughs> who decided when he had one bullet left, he was going to kill Mrs. Mallory. Yeah. That that bit's quite that bit's kind of tense because he's got one bullet left and he's going to shoot her in the head. Mm-hmm. Even though she's holding her baby, because he knows it'll be better than uh, yeah. being captured by the Indians, and mm-hmm. and as the gun is about to fire, you just hear this shot ring out, don't you? and he yeah. he sort of, you know, you see the gun tense, and then it drops to the floor, and he's obviously that was a been... gorgeous shot. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great moment. It's very well done. What do you think of the direction? Oh, it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Mm. The 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 light and the shade of it is excellent. There's a, there's a scene which we haven't really mentioned, which which I loved, and and you often hear from directors that is actually really really tricky to do, which is the um when when they stop they stop on the way there and uh, have something to eat, you know, when they're all sat around the table, mm. and uh, and you, as you say, you get that sort of the horrible moment when. Hatfield is with Mrs. Mallory, and and obviously they're sat quite close to Dallas, and he persuades her to move because obviously she doesn't want to be sat so close to a woman of ill repute. But it, it never—I mean, it's just a group of people sat around a table eating and drinking and and having their own little conversations. You know, Dallas and Ringo just being natural, the other two being their upper class selves, and and I I loved that scene. I thought it was brilliant. Mm, yeah. No, it's got lots of life um, touches. Mm. I love the way he films interior rooms as well. I don't know oh, yeah. how he does it. You kind of get the ceiling and the floor in there, and it's like, wow, how you're doing it. It's like magic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. It really mm. is. Awesome Wells said this was like the, the most perfectly directed film he'd ever seen. He used it as a template for lots, oh, of, really? lots of his work. Yep, yep. Ah, oh, well, what did he know? <laughs> yeah. Amateur. Yeah, I mean, just the only bit of real bit of trivia I know about Orson Welles. Do you, do you know what his last performance was? Uh, as oh, it's not Optimus Prime, is it? It's oh, it's in the Transformers movie. Um, it's yeah. Nega, oh, Mega some. Oh, what's the no. thing? No, go on, tell me. Well, yeah, you're right. It is. It's from the 1986 Transformers animated movie. He plays the, the planet the, thing, the boss thing. That's right, it? the god. Yeah, the yeah. the. Transformers movie. Forget Michael Bay. That is the ultimate Transformers movie. <laughs> what's the, what's the yeah. name of his character? Unicron. Unicron. That's it. Yeah. How could I forget Unicron? <laughs> yeah. It's unicorn and it, and it, with one letter rearranged. It's it's Una, but a bit further. Um, <laughs> Unicron. Unicron. <laughs> the eater of planets. Um, yeah. Um, and apparently, uh, he hated every single second. <laughs> Scumbag. I wonder if um, Shia LaBeouf felt the same way. Well, no. Uh, uh, everyone hates Shia LaBeouf every second. That's the difference, you see. <laughs> oh, come on. He's an absolute b- Shia LaBeouf. 
Yeah. Well, he's he's certainly proving to be, isn't he? Yeah. From yeah. What I read. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nice he, guy, did, he got he got that tattoo for a role that he didn't need to do, and then he knocked his own mm. teeth out for Fury, and it's like, oh, come on. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I think I think re- more recently as well, he's he's not proving to be the most exemplary male, is he? No, no. Oh anyway, dear. we're not here. We're not here to uh, be. A, we're not a gossip magazine, are we? <laughs> we can be if you want. That's cool. I, I'm not keen to do a show like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend to stay out um, of people's lives. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Can we? Can we just mention a, a, a scene which which is possibly the the funniest in the film, which is when uh, when all the the gang are, are awoken by by Chris and uh, his his wife has run away and taken his best horse with her and his gun and uh, and he's sort of and they're sort of saying oh you can get another one and he's going well hang on hang on horse horse or wife and he's going well no no I can get another wife easy but uh, it's going to take me a while to get <laughs> to get a, a horse as good as that and then oh, he launches great. into a speech about how good something was at being whipped and how well it took <laughs> being whipped and all this and it does, and it goes on for so long and you're thinking hang on is he talking about his horse or his wife it's a bit indulgent and isn't it? <laughs> it it is but it was it was brilliant though and thankfully someone actually in the script goes hang on are you talking about your horse or your wife and, and he was actually talking about the horse which was which which was a relief to be perfectly honest <laughs> yeah. so did you did you so overall i mean you know it sounds like we both really like the film i mean minor flaws Very aside it's a great film, isn't it? Apart from, well, not apart from anything on my side. I, I, I think it's a good, I think when it comes to Westerns, probably my favourite. Um, okay. That's a, quite a small pool of films, I must be honest there. I, you know, I, do, like, I do like High Noon and The Searchers I really like. And, um, Stagecoach is great. And Unforgiven, obviously. Yeah, High, High Noon is wonderful. I mean, it's a bit like uh, Butch and Sundance, really, in the fact that it has a really inappropriate song just wedged in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like ra- raindrops keep falling on my head should not have been in Bush and Sundance, right? It's just it mm. does not belong in that film. Just like "Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling" should not have been in High Noon. So, you know, it's I'd, I've got a problem with music today. It seems I don't know what's going on. I don't, well, you yeah. you've have had for many years. <laughs> I I have not. He, he he says wearing a t-shirt with a Norwegian black metal band on it. <laughs> but there, there you go. go. Yeah, but um. <laughs> I know, I know. But well, well, let me put it this way: as I was telling you about uh, off mic, was that I showed this to uh, this film to a friend of mine last night, who is a big westerns fan, but he'd never seen this. Mm-hmm. And it started off with the fact that you know, blokes being blokes, watching a film together, we were just sort of commenting a lot on the doc and his drinking problem. You know, kind of lads. You know, ah, he's going for another drink, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then that that did dissipate after a little while, and and it did lead to more sort of like as I mentioned before, exclaiming about, hang on, those two have known each other a day and he's asked her to marry him, what, you know, and that kind of stuff. And when it got to the end, I just sort of went, do you know what, I, I, I think that's a really good film. And he didn't disagree. So, mm. yeah, it was it was good to, to sort of educate a, another person with it as well. So, yes, I'd, I'd highly recommend this film. I think it's great. Good. I'm glad. So, a marks out of 10, what would you give it? Oof. Hmm. At, the, at this particular moment, it's somewhere between an 8 and a 9. So, I will give really? it to 8 for now. So I'll give it an eight for now, but I think it will go up to a nine on a repeated watch. I think I I, th- I think it's exceptional. It really is. I mean, the, the the minor problems I had with it 
are really just small bugbears of, of mine, as you can tell, because apparently if the Academy is right, then I'm wrong. So, because, I mean, they, you know, they didn't give Oscars to Shakespeare in Love and Chicago, so, you know, I must be in the f- wrong. So, um, yeah, but no, they are. They, they sh- what, pun? Nothing. I think they were totally justified in that situation. But go on, sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, now, as I said, they're minor, they're minor bugbears, but uh, I, yeah, I love this film. The, the performances are great. I mean, you hate who you're supposed to hate. You like who you're supposed to like. You, uh, you see the vast majority of characters who start off unlikable uh, get redemption, especially Mrs. Marley when she softens and warms a little bit, uh, especially right towards the end of the film. And so that's good. Everyone did their job well. Oh, there was one other little bit which, which did bugged me a tiny little bit which was um hang on i'm making a big list one second okay uh, okay fair enough, fair enough. i've got to turn um, the page go on which was uh, obviously uh, shut up you which is obviously which is obviously um gatewood you know the the sort of pompous who turns mm-hmm. out to be a complete coward as well by the way um mm-hmm. I, and both times i've noticed this it doesn't really flesh out what he actually did mm. really i mean obviously you see he's a banker at the beginning and then it's like he's being henpecked by his missus. And he's, it, it, I personally thought the first time I watched it, he was just running away from his wife. But then it, then it, then it was sort of like, oh, no, he's stealing money. And then it was like, oh, and, they, and then they nick him at the end. And it was just sort of like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just me. A little bit more exposition could have been done on that for my liking. I mean, someone could have just turned... When the, when the, the uh, pl- people, they take him away at the end, when they arrest him, they could, someone could have just said, well, what's all that about then? He's oh, he was a banker. He was nicking money. He's oh, thank you. That, that would have been it. That would have been, all right, great. Tiny little bit of exposition would have been would have been lovely. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair but enough. Um, anyway, that's my... Uh, how about you, my friend? What would you rate this out of 10? Um, I'd give it... Yeah, I'd say an 8. Yeah. I mean, it's not a film I reach for a lot, and it's... You know, I I think in terms of westerns, I really really like it, but I don't I don't sort of sit there and go, God, I really fancy Stagecoach tonight. But it's been really nice to go back and watch it again. And yeah, an eight is high praise for me. I only have about five tens, I think. You know, and a nine is you know Brighton Strangler level, so it's well, never going to reach but, but, those well, higher. <laughs> if if you're if you're saying you only have about five films that are a ten, be prepared to have a sixth because you know. Uh, oh really. What you what you got what you got in the post? Yes, that's gonna be that's gonna be in your that's gonna be a ten. Yep, it certainly will. With a big minus at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't knock it till you've tried it, sunshine. Okay, all right, I won't. I wonder good, if that's good. some kind of western as well. I'm sure it is. Uh, 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 what rent state? Mm. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was, but no. <laughs> One day I'll watch it and um, I can tell you why it is. <laughs> please, please do. Yeah, look, I, I love... I, I tell you what, after you watch it, we're going to do a special on here. I know it's not old Hollywood, but it's me pushing something on you for once. So I think we, we'll do like five minutes on Red Sail. On okay. Um, can I just say that segues nicely into um, discussions of next week because uh, you are pushing a film on me. <laughs> oh, oh, well... Let, let, let's, do you want to break the news to people? <laughs> I will, I will. Let, 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 let me just reinforce, though, not next week, next episode. Next episode, yeah. Okay. What, <laughs> yeah, busy, exactly. are we? <laughs> let, well, let, let's not go back. <laughs> let's not go back. Yes, so, so next episode, mm. uh, which will be episode number six. God, we're rattling through them, aren't we? And yeah. um, it is guest time again. 
Now, this gentleman who is joining us, uh, he isn't uh, a member of our film club, even though we have invited him several times. Yeah. He, uh, he's, just, he's just shy. I'm going to put it down to that. So we have our mutual friend, uh, who we've known for a long time now. He's, he's a, such a lovely man. He is a, a fellow podcaster and a man we both adore. He is one of the hosts of the Fantabulous uh, Anywhere But Here podcast. And, uh, and then also uh, his new, uh, sh- newer show, I should say, which came out uh, during uh, 2020, is the absolutely wonderful punk podcast of banned biographies. I mean, you listen to that as well. Isn't it great? Mm, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It is absolutely yeah. fantastic. If you're into your punk music, yes, absolutely. If you're into your punk music listeners, please check out Band Biographies. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. So our friend Tom, our friend Tom from those shows is going to be joining us on the next episode. And he is bringing the film with him. Mm. He sure is. Yes. Now, Adam has a little <laughs> bit of a problem with this, but uh, we will go into that very briefly now and then we'll talk about it more uh, on the next episode. Uh, he is bringing from 1940 and our first on this show at least our first venture into Cary Grant territory and uh, mm-hmm. we're going to be we're going to be discussing his girl Friday mm. any, yep. any we words are. Adam? Um, nah <laughs> <laughs> it's very uh, odd I love how it talks I love <laughs> Rosalind Russell and of course I love Cary Grant because I'm devoting no, years and years of my life to him at the moment but, um, yeah, His Girl Friday, never really gotten on with it. Not just that version, Not never really got on with the front page either. Uh, it's weird, I really like all the ingredients. I just don't think they come together to make a delicious cake. Uh, it's weird. Ben Hecht, wow. Howard Hawks, Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell, there's no reason this should not click with me, but for some reason it just oh, has uh, never clicked Ra- with me, Ra- this film. Ralph Bellamy as well. Ralph Bellamy, yeah, of course, yeah, one of my faves. I don't know. Maybe this time, I'll, maybe this time, I'll, I'll I'll chuck it on and be really, really impressed by it and go, oh, I was totally wrong. But um, yes, yeah, it's one of those films I just never gotten on with. So right, yeah, maybe it's time for a revisit. Well, I'm I'm going to give a little spoiler. Is that um, I've seen it once before. I think we watched it with Film Club. I think, and uh, I gave it a, a rather low score. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy reevaluating it to see if my opinion has changed. I do love my description of it to someone uh, the other the other night when they were asking me about it, and I gave a brief outline of the plot and then said, "But uh, in modern terms, if you think of it's uh, in terms of dialogue, it's the Gilmore Girls on speed." That's what I came up with. Okay, very very good. Um, I don't know the Gilmore Girls, but yeah, I'm, ah. if, I, I will never know them now that you've compared them <laughs> it's got Friday <laughs> it was it was it's, it's a it's an American uh, comedy drama uh, starring um, Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel and they're two they're a mother and daughter team and they're addicted to coffee and they talk very very quickly and right. uh, I, I think it borrows heavily from uh, from from this I think I know people who love this movie and mm. I'm sure I'm sure that there is lots of it to enjoy it's just I remember watching it once and going Oh, I really didn't enjoy that, and I can't can't really formulate why. Um, I think it's because they do like the dialogue doesn't even sound even remotely like the sort of thing humans being say human beings say to each other. So I yeah. just think it's, it's it's very hard to it's a hard nut to crack. But it's, maybe it, it, maybe this time will be different. Who knows? It's got it's got an incredibly high rating on IMDb. Mm, it's um, definitely well regarded. Uh, and also, it says. Um, the delivery of the lines, sorry, of the words in the lines, have, has been clocked at 240 words a minute. That's four words a second. 
that's some quick maths but yeah yes that's true that's but um okay. that's that that that's a lot and there's a lot to take in as well mm. isn't it in in i mean how, how long's the film it's uh well it's uh, yeah nine, 92 minutes so that's that's a lot to digest mm. oh, that really is yeah, yeah. Well, but anyway <laughs> yes <laughs> are you sure thanks yeah. tom but uh It'll be, it'll be good to get to get. It'll be good tonight. <laughs> it'll be good to get together with our podcasting brethren, and it will, and, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm 100% sure I'm gonna. Well, not 100% sure. I say 75% sure I'm gonna enjoy seeing Tom more than I'm gonna enjoy seeing the film again. Yeah, it'll be it'll be good to uh, to get together and uh, and 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 talk some nonsense uh, like we normally do when we meet up uh, online. <laughs> Which is often, yes, and he's a beautiful man as well, and he's he's very good at what he does. So yeah, he really. Looking he also forward to that. he looks a bit like um as well at the moment with his beard and sort of haircut stuff. He's looking yeah. very uh, Vikingish, which I'm really appreciating. <laughs> he, he, oh oh really? Is that doing it for you? Yeah yeah yeah. Cool. I'm gonna ask him to marry me if he's not careful. <laughs> well, well, you you can't. You've known him for more than a day. That's very true. It wouldn't fit with the uh, old movie sensibility. <laughs> wouldn't fit with the narrative, mate. And we are all yeah. about the narrative around here on all the best lines. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeehaw indeed, my friend. Okay. I like lifeless yeehaws. I think they're good. Well, just like a like a sort of non-committal yeehaw. Yeah, like a yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, imagine a Let, cowboy riding over the sun behind him that lassos a cow and just goes, yeehaw. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what. I, I tell you what. Before we finish, um, and, and, and and we'll we'll finish it, it soon. Is that um, don't forget, uh, everyone. If you want to find us, we're on Twitter and Facebook and all that all that stuff. And if you want to email us at uh, allthebestlines at gmail No one has yet. So if you want to be the first, get in there. And uh, also, as a Christmas or New Year's present to all your favorite podcasts out there, write review you. Um, but before we go, uh, if you were going to be a cowboy, what would your cowboy name be? Oh, um, Johnny Yeehaw. Johnny Yeehaw. I love no, I don't. I don't know. You need to go, the thing is, yeah, because I'm such a perfectionist, I'm mm. going to need more time to, to mull that one over, I'm afraid. Um, or we, we throw it over to the listeners and say, if Adam were to be a cowboy, what would his cowboy name be? Um, Snooze O'Hara, I think, probably, because I've put that many people to sleep in my life. <laughs> oh. <laughs> With my inane ramblings. Oh, that's, very, that's very sweet but no answers on a postcard please listeners help us out with Adam's cowboy name yes please do that yeah, yeah but Smokey did you mention the socials as well or just the email though I did I did Twitter and Facebook and whatnot yeah all, all the best lines on uh, on all of those cool. um, have you got or, an sorry, Instagram uh, tw- yet Twitter is best lines pod no I haven't I, I uh, Instagram scares me so what about a TikTok have you got a TikTok you can use that it scares TikTok, me too. TikTok your friends, Any, apparently. Anything that can actually feature my face, I'm scared mm-hmm. of. So I don't. So I don't partake. Is, what are you on parlor? <laughs> Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> you seem like life. a fit for parlor. <laughs> <laughs> don't know whether that's a compliment or an insult, but there you go. Well, don't Google it. Okay, just accept my word. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I, 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 I was I, I was just about to say, well, I was on Quibi, but that didn't last very long. So. <laughs> yeah, I was one, of the, I was one of the mad few. Uh, anyway, let's not bore might, people with <laughs> things I run through every social I haven't looked at it in about 10 years, but I think I might still be on MySpace. I'll have to have a look, actually. I'm quite curious now. But there we go. Anyway, let, uh, let's get out of here, shall we? <laughs>
Okay. Yeehaw. Well, you're hosting. Suspicion. You've got to close it out. Oh, have I? Well, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful to speak to you all uh, today, everybody. Yeah. It's been a real joy to be with you, yeah. Smokey, in, Bernard, yeah. in particular. What would you? Yeah. In fact, what would your name? Um, uh, your cowboy name? What about um, Ringo O'Burney or Bernie Bernie Ringo? <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Ringo conjures all kinds of images. Um, um, this is fascinating for everyone. <laughs> Now you see why I didn't do it. (laughs) Everyone, I think we should pick a uh, cowboy name for Smokey as well, don't you? Answers on a postcard. uh, The Una Bernie kid. (laughs) I reckon the Galahad kid. (laughs) Oh, well, Galahad lad's not bad, is it? (laughs) The Galahad lad, yeah. Perfect. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Anyway, it's been a joy to spend some time with you again. Looking forward to doing it again very soon. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, all the best. Lines. So is that's that's how I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeehaw. Yeehaw, mother. <laughs> Don't get it out. <laughs> 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 yeah, well. I just threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't God. be that wouldn't be divine at all, would it?